2: You know what that owl's for today? How good I look! I mean, my God, I look amazing. I'm looking at myself right now. Like <laughs> delicious. That's what. I want. Can you look any better than me right now? Uh, happy Monday uh, to you and yours. Happy day after Halloween. I hope everybody's fat and happy and munching on Snickers bars and Reese's cups and paydays. Those are my three favorite candies. Probably. Payday and Snickers are in a fight uh, for number one. Uh, But anyway, I didn't have any candy for Halloween. I'm too fat uh, for candy on Halloween. So, but I do remember the good old days when I love that stuff. Well, anyway, uh, fantastic uh, Monday show. Uncle Jimmy is starting to inch his way back into the regular rotation. We're gonna visit with Uncle Jimmy at the end of today's show and do our approval rating uh, with Uncle Jimmy. You guys that tuned in on Friday know that Uncle Jimmy shocked and surprised me uh, coming back to the studio and on set on Friday. Uh, His recovery from surgery is going amazingly well and we're gonna hear from Uncle Jimmy all week via Skype and helping us with an approval rating and comments about the show at the end of the show. Look forward to that. Uh, Shamika Michelle, Shamoke Show, uh, she'll be on today's show helping me with this fire that I'm about to start, and so will Rashad McCants. Uh, We'll go out to Las Vegas for Rashad, we'll go out to North Carolina uh, for Shamika Michelle. I'm about to start what I believe will be the greatest fire that's ever been started on this show. I am passionate about this topic. It's right It's right in my window. It's right in my area of expertise. It's a topic that I've been covering and talking about for a solid five years, and I've been proven 100% right. My narrative on Colin Kaepernick, 1000% correct, and I started my narrative in 2016. Anybody that followed me know when Kaepernick was balling out as a quarterback, I was all on board. He was probably my favorite player in the NFL. Uh, as soon as he started that kneeling BS, jumped off the bandwagon, and I said a lot of things about Colin Kaepernick that people thought were controversial at the time, uh, but now, not so much. Uh, but Kaepernick and Netflix. I just released a a mini series on Kaepernick over the Halloween weekend, (laughs) and it has led to this fire that I'm about to start. This is awesome. Buckle up. Before I get going, though, I want you to go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. I want you to hit subscribe. I want you to hit likes. I want you to hit the notifications. I'm going to set a high bar for the number of likes that I want on this show and it's, it's because of my belief in how great and entertaining and provocative this show is about to be. I want 5,000 likes. I want 5,000 likes on this show. I need you in the comments telling me what you think about this fire that I'm about to start. We're about to bury Colin Kaepernick. This will be the eulogy for Colin Kaepernick. You remember that scene in Boys in the Hood? Y'all wanna see a dead body? You're about to see one. All right. <clears throat> For Halloween, Netflix and Ava DuVernay dressed up former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick as a righteous black man. The streaming service and celebrated movie producer borrowed T'Challa's Black Panther costume, Q.E.P. Newton's Afro, and the ramblings of In Living Color prison revolutionary Oswald Bates to portray Kaepernick as the modern day Muhammad Ali. Despite their best efforts and three hours of edited content, Kaepernick still came across as far more Clayton Bigsby than black revolutionary in the six-part miniseries, Colin in Black and White. You remember Bigsby. He was the Dave Chappelle character, the blind black man who joined the Ku Klux Klan only a member of the KKK could fully enjoy DuVernay and Kaepernick's portrayal of black manhood. According to the miniseries, being a black man is about wearing braids and or cornrows, eating highly seasoned fried foods, feeling degraded, dehumanized, and offended at so-called microaggressions, and fantasizing about loving black women while dating white and or biracial women. Black and white erase any doubts about the fraudulence and substance deficiency of Colin Kaepernick. The biracial football player turned activist. Cap, DuVernay and Netflix share the same view of black men as the KKK. Let me unpack that thought for a moment. According to Black and White, Black men have have been feminized to the point that we obsess about our hairstyle. Episode one of the miniseries is titled Corn Rolls. In it, DuVernay and Kaepernick venerate former NBA star Allen Iverson and his hairstyle. Cap states that Iverson embraced his culture. He braided his hair. Watch this clip.
1: He experienced more political policing than passionate praise. Why? Why did this exceptional player with an uncanny combination of grace and grit cause such ire from the powers that were? Well, what he did to start this controversy was simple, deliberate, and true to himself. He embraced his culture. He
2: braided his hair. Oh my God, I, I, I so remember when Alan Iverson embraced his culture and braided his hair. That was such a powerful moment. I mean, because black men have been braiding their hair since when? Uh, Jesus Christ was on the cross? Was was he the first to braid his hair? I mean, what new hairstyle will Kaepernick next say is black culture and is black culture, is being a black man really about your hairstyle? This is a joke and only an idiot would look at a man braid his hair. Oh boy, now that's black. He braided his hair, he's got corn rolls. Nothing could be blacker than corn rolls. The episode focuses on Kaepernick's white adoptive parents mixed feelings about corn rolls. His mother goes from paying for his hair to be braided and purchasing the multitude of maintenance accessories to complaining that the hairstyle made her son look like a thug. Cap's father justifiably wonders why any man would waste time, energy, and thought on a hairstyle when that time, energy, and thought could be used on much higher priorities. Many black parents have the exact same thoughts and concerns, and they express those concerns in the exact same fashion. The Kaepernicks were not being racist. They were being pragmatic. Today, cornrows, braids, buns, dreadlocks, and exotic hair colors don't convey a thug image as much as they convey convey daddy issues. They're byproducts of young boys who spent more time waiting on their mama at a beauty salon than sitting with their daddy inside a barber shop. The Kaepernick miniseries should be retitled Daddy Issues. It was an exploration of the problems caused by the absence of Kaepernick's black biological father. Colin Kaepernick dropped to his knees because he really wants to swing from a stripper pole. That's the real takeaway from Black and White. It's a story about a man struggling with his identity who chose a woman to tell his story. It's what the autobiography of Malcolm X would read like if Alexandria Haley wrote it. There were twice as many black gay lesbian couples depicted in the series than black nuclear couples. No black father or husband was written into the script. A couple of black boys, a group of black boys, showed up at a hotel for a baseball tournament. Wasn't a daddy in sight. Maybe those scenes were left on the cutting room floor to make room for the fried chicken and pork chops DuVernay depicted. Every time Kaepernick showed up at a black household, the place was swimming in Lowry's seasoned salt, Crisco, and collard greens. The series insinuated that Kaepernick instantly felt more comfortable in surroundings that produce high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease. It's a natural instinct, not a remnant of slavery, for black men to prefer food that kills. It's an odd message for an athlete who is a vegan and obsesses over his abs and biceps. Kaepernick, to this day, doesn't know who he is. He has severe daddy issues. When you know who you are, you don't concern yourself with microaggressions. Check out this clip. I think it was in episode three or four. Microaggressions, a term coined by black psychiatrist Chester M. Pierce, who played
1: football at Harvard, by the way. It refers to those small behavioral indignities, intentional or not, that communicate derogatory racial insults that leave us feeling degraded, dehumanized and offended.
2: Degraded, dehumanized and offended. Because a random white person said something that could be misconstrued or slightly offensive. Kaepernick feels degraded, dehumanized and offended. And and what was the, the white woman bringing the vodka and orange juice or whatever the hell that was to Kaepernick, the screwdriver, whatever. What was that? What, 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 I'm, this thing felt like a comedy. In living color couldn't put together something as hysterical as DuVernay and Kaepernick did together with this miniseries. It was a, filled with a bunch of bad jokes. But I wanna the random misguided perceptions of white people don't make you or shouldn't make you feel degraded, dehumanized, and offended. They should make you feel confident you're dealing with someone not on your level. Kaepernick is weak though. That's why any random white person can make him feel insecure. Beyond weak, he's delusional. In the fifth episode of the series, Kaepernick casts himself as Malcolm X in pursuit of his Betty Shabazz. He takes a super dark-skinned black girl to the homecoming dance. He portrays his parents as having a problem with his decision. Now, I do not know the Kaepernicks, but I've lived 54 years and I've seen a lot. I've never met a white person who has a problem with a black or biracial man or boy dating a black woman. Never seen it, never heard of it. There's no way in my opinion they objected to this woman because of her race. What I found hysterical is Kaepernick portraying himself as a lover of dark chocolate. His longtime girlfriend slash handler, Nessa, is Egyptian. She's not black. Her specialty is in fried chicken and collard greens. She's a Kardashian. Before Nessa, Cap was linked to Bundle of Britney or Britney Renner, the African-American Instagram Barbie doll who has been auctioning herself off to athletes the last decade. Cap has a type and it looks nothing like the black girl in his miniseries. Cap prefers Becky Shabazz over Betty Shabazz. Cap is a frog and not a very smart one. The depictions of racism in black and white were comically unsophisticated and unbelievable. Kaepernick's dad allegedly sped down the highway day after day and waved at a cop who clocked him speeding. The day Kaepernick drove his parents' car, the cop instantly pulled him over and nearly drew his weapon when Kaepernick reached for his driver's license. The, the mom said, oh boy, you really you really dodged a bullet there, didn't you, Colin? The worst thing about the series is knowing Kaepernick signed off on the demonization and ridicule of his adoptive parents. Two human beings chose to love and raise Kaepernick when his biological parents failed to take on that responsibility. Throughout the six episodes, Kaepernick's parents are portrayed as bumbling, passive-aggressive racists with good intentions. Kaepernick opened the final episode of the series stating that his parents really wanted to adopt a white baby. He said, quote, since the day I was born, I was never anybody's first choice. Kaepernick is still dealing with major daddy issues. Someone buy the man a stripper pole, a thong, and high heels. He's more Cardi B than Huey P. Woo! That's my favorite fire. I've been waiting. I haven't been waiting. I've been killing Kaepernick for six years and this is my final eulogy. The guy's a clown, and you can see it in the damn miniseries that he put out with Netflix. He portrays himself as a clown, an ungrateful clown. Could you imagine two people adopting you when your real parents won't, and then you take a shit on them in a six-part miniseries on Netflix? Who does that? And people keep wondering why I keep saying this stuff feels satanic. Two people adopt you. And 30 years later, 32 years later, you put out a mini series taking a dump on them. There are no perfect parents, none. There are no perfect people. But my parents, Awesome, but they were not perfect, and you damn. I will not be putting out a documentary series going over their mistakes. If I put out a documentary series, it'll be celebrating all the things they did right for me and my brother. Th- this is evil, this is wickedness. Two people coming rescue this boy and he takes a dump on them? In a documentary portray, they have to live with that. They can't, if they say something and object to the way they're portrayed, could you imagine what would happen to them in this culture, in this society we've created? They would be cast as the biggest racist in the world and their crime is adopting a biracial son. It would be it would be like the little white girl on the bachelor that got, they got she's on TV trying to get a black husband and because she wore the wrong dress to a party 5 years earlier they portrayed her as racist. That's the kind of crazy world we've we've created that a couple could take on the challenge of adopting when they already got kids. They take on the challenge of adopting a biracial kid and their reward is, hey man, we're gonna put out a documentary series that's really about the black father that Kaepernick doesn't know and who knows if he even exists, but we're gonna take a dump on the Kaepernicks. This was wickedness at a level I, it's repulsive and anybody defending Kaepernick is repulsive. Anybody refusing to see the level of deceit, wickedness, delusion. You're a fool. I'm gonna roll out to, uh, Las Vegas. Bring in our guy Rashad McCants. There's many, many things I want to ask Rashad about uh, this issue and, and this topic. But first, because Rashad, I, I reached out to you yesterday over the weekend and said, hey man, take a look at this uh, Kaepernick miniseries. And so I just want to ask a general question, just your thoughts. How,
1: what did you think of the miniseries? Well, I had to come on today and wear my black outfit because I I got to, you know, be more black, you know, watching (laughs) the Kaepernick whole series. I I felt like I wasn't black enough. It's like I now, you know, I wear my chain and my do-rag. I didn't see no do-rags on on the miniseries. And um, there was so much stereotype. I thought Tyler Perry directed this. It was <laughs> it was so beyond, it was so every two scenes I heard some type of racial connotation and everything you said in your mono is just so a thousand percent spot on. I don't understand how Robert Townsend can have directed something like this and put it out for further separation, further division. Now every white person believes that this is how black people look at them. I wonder how Blake Griffin feels, Steph Curry feels, Clay Thompson feels, and their parents, uh, it's weird.
2: I I, I find, I, I will say this, I think Steph Curry's mama is half black, half white, but I I, I get what you're saying. Clay Thompson's mama's white, Uh, I think the other athletes you referenced, parents... Look at the ball, brothers. I wonder how they feel. Oh, Uh, man.
1: It's it's one of those things, Jay, that if we don't tackle this right now, if everybody's not upset, if all your viewers are not upset with watching this, it's too much to even unpack because there's so much that happened that's just untrue, false and the parents have been demonized, I know how much I appreciate and am grateful for the white people who have helped me along the way. Not just white people, but all people. But white people went out their way to help me. Prep school, boarding school, Carolina. I got drafted. Bro. Come on. Like, Are we going to demonize all white people?
2: It. I related. I watched it, and my number one takeaway was like, "Whoo! This dude didn't know his daddy, and he's mad as hell about it. He's not. He's not man enough to say I'm really mad at my daddy and my mama. My, my mama for giving me up for adoption, and my daddy for never introducing himself to me. That to me was the real issue. And 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 to to." to and I, you played during the Iverson era, if I'm correct, or was I? Yeah. And and look, man, I get that Allen Iverson was a super talented basketball player, and he was fun to watch. But this whole thing, and and Kaepernick's not alone in a person that that looks at Allen Iverson and thinks, oh, he's the embodiment of blackness. He had tattoos and cornrows, and and I. That bothers me that that's what blackness has been
1: reduced to, cornrows and tattoos. Yeah, Um, that was my stigma in the league because I had tattoos. I didn't have the cornrows, but I remember distinctly Shaq coming up to me, like, you trying to be like AI, huh? And that was a, a reference to me trying to blackball myself and be alienated because I had a lot of tattoos. But Colin Kaepernick, fail to realize why Allen Iverson got braids. Because everyone before Allen Iverson was wearing afros if you were consciously black. So for Allen Iverson to come into the league with the persona of the urban culture, braiding his hair was making him look less black. Because running up and down the floor with an afro as Allen Iverson would have been, he's really rebelling. Come on, you got to braids your hair. So the fact that he stepped in front of it, now for Callan Copernick is like, oh, he he was labeled a thug because he decided to. He took the stand and say, I was, man, none of that's true. And you can ask Chuck that. He wasn't trying to be a trailblazer. He was trying to be a player. He didn't want to be a distraction. And Allen Iverson fell, found himself in the middle of being a number one rebel in the NBA. I almost like stepping in some shit, I got some shit on my shoe, and I can't get this shit off, so I'ma live with it the rest of my life.
2: That's my point, and and I don't know if I wanna go down this path, but but I, I, I'm gonna step out here and just say, Allen Iverson is celebrated as like, oh my God, he, he was just incredible. And I look at Allen Iverson and say, He was a great individual talent who underachieved, and and I know that won't strike well with a lot of people, but but when I think about little men basketball players and reaching their full potential, I think of Isaiah Thomas Mm -hmm. building a franchise and taking it to two championships in the middle of the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan era. That's what... To me, Allen Iverson was capable of building championship-caliber teams and being the star of a championship-caliber team, and it wasn't about Look, Isaiah won back-to-back titles. Joe Dumars is his second-best player. Joe Dumars is not one of the top 50, top 75 players of all time, so I, I hear all this. Well, Allen Iverson never had the right teammates around him. Well, maybe Allen Iverson never put himself in position to be surrounded by the right teammates. And so I, I'm t- as much as he achieved, yes, I know he won an MVP. Yes, I know he took a team to the championship. I contend Allen Iverson had as much talent, had more talent than any little man that's ever come into the NBA. And the fact that he didn't win a title is on him. Not on the system or the political resistance he felt because a handful of people criticized him for drinking and gambling a lot of his
1: playing potential away. Yeah, and you know that's accountability that Allen always live live up to. You know he knows what he done and how he got to where he is and the things that he could have done a lot better. Um, But that has nothing to do with his blackness. That has nothing to do with him being a rebel and going against the grain. Allen Iverson was just like Michael Jordan. These guys just wanted to play ball, leave it on the floor, and go home and do the things that they really love to do. Party, drink, smoke. Mike did the same things that Allen did. The only guy that was different was really Kobe. Kobe was obsessed with that stuff. And so... When you look at the difference between all of them, you say, man, nobody was really harping on this racial, political, we're trying to be more black than you. Everybody was just trying to live their life. And Colin Kaepernick is deferring and making it seem like everybody was in some type of protest, which is bullshit.
2: I want to ask you this. And again, I'm 54 I'm I'm the old man on the front line shouting, get off my lawn. But but for me, Rashad, in the miniseries, when the father was sitting at the dinner table and was basically telling uh, Colin, man, why would you waste all this thought and energy on keeping your hair done? That resonated with me because literally, I don't want to give any thought, time, or effort to my hair and I got more important priorities. And I look across professional athletes now, and all of them, or not all, a great many of them seem obsessed with getting their hair done, getting their hair colored, getting it braided and twisted up into a bun, and all this other stuff. I look at all of it and I go, Hey man, these guys have spent way too much time at the beauty shop with their mama and no time at the barber shop with their daddy. And a- I, I just see it as as a, a femi- this obsession with hair, I see it as a feminization of the black man.
1: Well, Jason, let me go ahead and do this for you. I'm a Kevin Durant hair guy, man. I don't really care about none of that, right? so uh, let's go ahead and get that out the way right let's just say that the feminization of grooming for men has taken a left turn because it just used to be get your hair cut make sure you got your skin straight smell good now we got the mohawks we got the green hair we got the DK Metcalf we got the cam newton we got the i mean you're spending more time in the you know in the mirror on your hair than you are on your man on your man that's a female thing to be in the mirror i want to know what my hair color i want to go get my hair done man i'm about to go get a cut low cut caesar and we're good then i'm gonna go to the gym and lift weights I'm not going to get my fingers painted. I'm not going to get my toes done. None of that. I'm going to get my hands dirty. These guys don't want to get their hands dirty. These guys don't want to be men. They want to impress females so that the female can feel like they have another female. Come on, guys. You're going to be men, be men. Don't be little bitches.
2: And I know people aren't going to like what I said, but it is what I believe. There's this issue with young black men and these daddy issues. And it's like, we don't want to talk about it. All we want to talk about is racism and microaggressions. And somebody said uh, this to me and it felt like this to me and and nobody wants to talk about it like if Colin Kaepernick really wanted to get in touch with himself and understand himself and help other young people deal with the issues that they're dealing with put out a mini series that addresses what he felt not knowing his father because that is the crisis and the issue at the heart of a lot of things we see with black men, we keep wanting to say, oh, it's it's the police pulling us over when we go five miles over the speed limit. That, that, That happens very rarely. Black kids abandoned by their father, not knowing who their father is, it's pretty commonplace and it leaves a hole in people's hearts that they struggle to fill and, and Colin Kaepernick clearly has that whole, but wh- why can't we have that discussion about what happens to young black boys when they don't have a father, when they don't have their biological father?
1: We can't have that conversation because there's far too many powerful men without fathers in that position. There's too many celebrities that have, no grew up with no father, from J. Cole to Jay-Z. And I like to reference Colin Kaepernick to the rapper Logic, the biracial rapper who can't seem to integrate into the Black culture, but identifies as Black, has a very hard time messaging through his music that he really wants to be a part of the culture, but we won't let him in. Colin Kaepernick in this series displayed the same behavior that logic has been been portraying for the last five years. And that is, let me in. I have a percentage of me that's black. What's the problem? Well, here's the problem, Colin. Being black is not an ethnicity. We don't have nationality. Being black is a culture. You have to identify with the culture. In your series, you showed the world you have no idea what black is about at all. So the fact that you're using this, I don't know where my daddy is and my white father and white mother don't want me to, I was the second choice, man. You are tripping. And if you want to identify with black people, You got to be black. That means be a part of the culture. That means not being a hypocrite inside of ah white father, white mother, but I'm adopted. So that means that my black dad that left me. It makes me black. I really honestly, though, Jason, I have a problem with Colin Kaepernick going to this route of police brutality and not Planned Parenthood and abortion because he could have been aborted. He should be the poster child of what it looks like when you're not aborted and you do have a family that picks you up, what success can really look like.
2: I love that point uh, because he is an example of that and he should represent that far more than, oh, I got pulled over for speeding and the cop nearly pulled out a gun. One, I don't believe it happened. Uh, Two, it certainly didn't happen the way it was portrayed in in this joke of a miniseries. I I wanna say this though, Rashad, I wanna push back and say, I don't think it's just Colin Kaepernick who struggles with black culture. I think that black people overall, we don't know what our culture is, we can't even decide. And and the things that we decide that are our culture are very surface level. It's like, oh, do you know the history of Cool Herc and rap music? That <laughs> that's our culture. Oh, is your hair braided? Oh, is do, do you eat fried chicken and pork chops that's extra seasoned and will kill you? That's our culture. That, that again, that's why I was like, it's like, man, this is like the KKK put this. A miniseries together and that Ava DuVernay and Kaepernick have bought into every negative surface level, uh, no substance stereotype about black people. And we're going to portray that as black culture. And I don't think that's just Kaepernick. I look at a lot of black people and particularly black people obsessed with sports in the entertainment world and i look at all these entertainers they keep saying, like rap music is our culture and i just is there any other group do asian people say rock and roll is their culture or do white people say that's their culture do, do, does, does 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 any other group do latinos say that and I don't even know if I'm getting it. salsa music. Is is that Latino salsa music? Do they say that's their culture? But we're the only people that act like two turntables and, and somebody rapping some profanic words uh, is our culture. We have to define ourselves better than this and take the definition of us away from the white liberals who control the music industry and the movie industry and keep telling us that rap music, cornrows, tattoos, and fried chicken, that's y'all's
1: culture. (laughs) You gotta blame it on BET, right? you know, uh, Boondike said BET trying to kill black people. I'm surprised that Net- Netflix got this before BET because this looks more like a BET lifetime special than a Netflix special. I'm surprised. <laughs> Netflix, you got to do better. You got to do better than this because this is a BET. This is, B- this is straight BET, right? And BET means black entertainment television. We don't got no white entertainment television. We don't got no Latin entertainment television. We got black. We the only ones that got our own stuff, but ain't got Snowfall's not on there, BMF. None of these black shows, the shy, are on BET. So where is our culture being appropriated? On white shows, white networks? How does that work? Right? So we talk about culture. We don't have our culture in one place where we can get it all right. And it's
2: been what you're really saying what you're really saying is Rashad, we have no control
1: over our culture. It's defined mm-hmm. by others. Yes. Yes. And our content is also checkmarked by others as far as whether we like it, we want to do it, does it fit the narrative? All of that thing. So I look back and I say, well how How is it that the culture, vulture, Mr. Kaepernick, is not being seen as what he is? Dame Dash, holla at me. We need to expose this guy because all this black power stuff is being manipulated by a... I would call him a white guy in a black suit. Well,
2: I'm not even... I would love to know who Kaepernick's daddy is because uh, I looked on Wikipedia and they said, yeah, his daddy's from Ghana or Nigeria or some blah, 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 blah. And then in the next sentence, they said, no one knows who his daddy is. Mm. <laughs> Hold on. You don't know who his daddy is, but you know what country he came from.
0: How How is that?
1: <laughs> I think that's weird because it also says that heidi 19 birth colin so at 19 in wisconsin you run into a black guy in wisconsin get pregnant i mean you gonna take the black guy home with you and tell them all what well, we know what happened with that that was a situation one night thing something happened and she couldn't keep the baby because she couldn't take the baby home to the parents so now Colin's here. Colin, what's going on? The, I mean, you from where you're from. You are who you are. You were raised by who you were raised. How is it that now you you become, you, you went from this once privileged white boy to now this oppressed, enslaved black man?
2: I don't know if you made it this far in the series, but among the, I, I didn't touch all the comical elements, but Uh, his white best friend in high school was portrayed as some sort of thief, Mm -hmm. jacking (laughs) cars for hubcaps and whatever. And at one point, this white kid turns to Colin and tells him, oh, the reason I don't take you is because if I was out jacking cars for hubcaps with you, I could get shot by the police. If it was just me, I'll just get arrested. And, and I was like, so we got this criminal <laughs> who in, what, 1990s or 2000, I don't know what year it was is sitting around thinking, oh my God, if me and Colin steal hubcaps, we'll get killed by the police. And, mm. and I'm just like, I'm, have I heard of a news story where somebody got shot over stealing hubcaps? Mm. Was mm. it that mm-hmm. commonplace? Stealing hub care. Now, again, when I was young, I was an idiot and I used to shoplift. Uh, you know, we, we would go to the convenience store and take whatever we wanted. Never crossed my mind that we might get shot.
1: <laughs> How about
2: it, it this It just so never busy. crossed my mind. The only How thing that, that crossed my mind was, well, could I run fast enough if they called the cops? And if the cops caught call, me, would they call my mama? That was my only question. I wasn't sitting around thinking, oh my God. They gonna shoot this little fat boy uh, for stealing candy at the 7-Eleven. this, huh? Th-
1: th- how about this, how about this? The white kid portrayed the behavior of what they show black kids portraying. So the white kid in the show was being the black kid who was disruptive, stealing stuff, being weird, going places random. We see that as the black kid being the troublemaker. They portrayed it as the white kid being the troublemaker, which to me is like, OK, Colin, you seems like you got your head on your shoulders, right? Like, it's hard for you to be black because we don't got our head on our shoulders, right? We get in trouble. We're thugs. We're criminals. What happened, Colin? You got, a good, you got a good friend with you. You don't want to be his friend. He wants to take the bullet for you.
2: Whole thing was comical. All right, I'm going to keep it moving. I, Shamika Michelle has told me she's got some things she wants to say. She also uh, watched the show. Uh, thank you, Rashad. Uh, great job. But uh, before I get to Shamika, I want to tell you about our friends over at Good Ranchers and how they can and will deliver the best, better than organic chicken. Their grass-fed and grain-finished beef is better than anything you've tried before. You can have their T-bones, filets, strips, gourmet burgers, and more all shipped directly to your home. All of this comes at half the price of their online competitors. You get the steakhouse quality you deserve at a price every family can afford. Don't bring mystery meats. shipped from overseas into your home. Food sourced 100% from farms right here in America. Be the hero your family needs by ordering from Good Ranches today. Go to GoodRanches.com to buy now. Subscribe today and save 20% off on each box of mouthwatering meats. Subscribing brings the cost down to less than $5 per meal. Plus right now get an additional $20 off free express shipping if you go to GoodRanchers.com Fearless or use the promo code Fearless at checkout. That's twenty-five dollars off and free express shipping at GoodRanchers.com Fearless. My mother asked me about Good Ranchers this weekend. We're getting a ham uh, for Thanksgiving from Good Ranchers. I need you to support Good Ranchers because they support me and you in this show. You got. You want to know how you can fight back against this culture that's trying to overrun America? Support people who support you and American farmers and the traditional way of American thinking and values. GoodRanchers.com/fearless or use the promo code fearless. Shamika Michelle, next. Time to roll out to North Carolina and bring in Shemok Show, who I also had watched uh, the Colin Kaepernick uh, uh, miniseries. Shamika, I do want to warn you, uh, I look really good today. Don't be distracted by how good I look. Uh, Try to focus on the actual content of the conversation we're about to have. I know it's very distracting.
3: It's going to be hard. (laughs)
2: All right, so let's start here. Uh, Did you enjoy the miniseries about Colin Kaepernick?
3: Well, since they did the whole In in Living Color thing, let me do like the two gays on there and say hated it. It was terrible. (laughs) It was the worst thing that I have seen in a very long time. It was really bad, Jason, really bad.
2: And what did I found its depiction of racism really bad? Because I, I thought it was like, well, this is like some 12 year old kids and how they perceive, or 10 year olds, how they perceive racism playing out. And, and then I, I thought the demonization of his parents, adoptive parents, I thought that was really bad. And then the way he defined being black. I thought was really bad, but what stood out to you, what made it bad to you?
3: Well, I think when I grabbed my pen and paper was when he wanted to give us a lesson on hip-hop. And I was thinking, I have seen Breaking, Beach Street, and Crush Groove. Like, I do not need a lesson on hip-hop from someone who looks like he could have been a backup dancer for Menudo. That was the first thing that irritated me about the the entire show. And then I noticed that he had a, a, an actor play him who was much darker than Kyle. whose hair is a lot more coarse than Colin, and I think this was in an effort to really make us believe that Colin was harassed his entire life by white people. And if you look at Colin in his younger years, there's nothing that says black that just screams black about Colin. So I definitely don't feel like he was being harassed by white people his entire life. If anything, I think that he was harassed by black men, especially darker black men who probably told him to sit his $5 ass down before they made change. You know, once Colin came through, the Alby Shures and the Christopher Williams, they were out. You know, Wesley Snipes and Mars Chestnut, they were in. So I just feel like this was a terrible effort for Colin, Colin to just make it seem as he was the blackest black dude on the planet. And it was very unbelievable.
2: The I was just talking with Rashad about this. I'm not. A, there's not a thousand percent proof that Kaepernick's daddy is actually black. I've heard people argue like he looks more Middle Eastern than black.
3: Yeah, I think we could probably find Colin's daddy somewhere, walking in the desert, wearing a pair of sandals, stopping periodically to milk his pet goat. There's nothing that really just screams black to me. His nose, the hook in his nose looks like I could hang my coat on it. I just don't believe the whole, you know, my daddy is black. And I hate to be the one that has to qualify black people, but it. it Colin just comes across so inauthentic that I feel like he opens the door for me to just say, boy, sit down. I, I just don't believe that. Looks like his daddy could he could uh, Colin looks like he could own a 7 <laughs> Eleven.
2: I was gonna say he could dress up as Osama bin Laden on Halloween and it would be a hell of a uh impersonation. And and so and literally, one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen, I just said this to Rashad, is like, Wikipedia, say, oh, his daddy's from Ghana or Nigeria, someplace in Africa. And then in the very next sentence, or maybe even in the same sentence, they say, but no one knows who his daddy is. And I'm just right. like, well, how the hell do you know where he came from? This is crazy. And, and I thought, I want your take on this. What did you think about the relationship with the dark skinned black girl at homecoming, I, I just didn't, I didn't buy it because I'm like, well, hold on, Colin. In, in adulthood, you sure seem to like white women. Uh, your girl is Egyptian. That ain't black. Uh, she looks more like a Kardashian than anything. Uh, bundle of Britney, Britney Renner. Uh, you know, she's allegedly half black or whatever, but she looks like, you know, a mixed race Barbie doll. I just, this whole thing that old Colin was really in love with this deep dark chocolate, what, what they call her blue black, uh, girl. I just didn't buy it.
3: Yeah, I didn't like the way they tried to say, oh, she's blue, black, and this crispy crystal. First of all, the girl that was in there wasn't even that dark. And if you think about the time when Colin was in high school, I guess that would have been around, I don't know, 2002 or 2003, black girls were popping. You had Foxy Brown, who had already came through. Everybody wanted some of that Yeah, nah, nah. You had Jill Marie Jones portraying Tony on Girlfriend friends. You had Naomi Campbell burning up the runway. Like, I just don't believe that it was all this uh, colorism that Colin wanted to portray in this this documentary. If anything, I feel like that would have been something I could have said in in elementary school. In elementary school, we did pick on each other and say, you know, you're a black African booty scratcher. But by the time I got to 12th grade, I was the best thing since sliced bread, even if it was the the end piece. I, I was popping. <laughs> so I just don't believe that, you know, it was this whole thing about, oh, crispy crystal. And then when when they had... When, they were sitting at the restaurant and his hand starts shaking and he's apologizing for you know, not being there for her and then her hand is shaking. It was so dramatic. He, he he put his hand across the table and he was like, you deserve my respect. You deserve my time. Like this huge black woman affirmation. And I was thinking, no one, like I didn't wait my entire life to, to hear some uh, light, bright, almost white man make me feel validated. I just felt like it was just overdone and it was just, it was too much. It was really overdone and it was very inauthentic.
2: Look, again, I've lived 54 years and the other thing that I thought was just crazy was portraying his white adoptive parents as if they were... (laughs) Oh, Colin and a black girl, we just, we just don't, we can't stand for that. I, I've met some racist white people. I've met some, uh, clearly some non-racist white people. I, I, I don't know any white person. I haven't met them, and maybe y'all can leave a comment on YouTube or email me or something. Just, just let me know. Are there? I haven't met any white people that are mad when a black and or biracial black boy likes a black girl. I just haven't met him. And so to me, when I was watching, I was like, "No, his parents may have objected to this girl, but the objection might've been, was her family ghetto? Was she ghetto? Was, was, was she giving out the pool 90 to everybody in school and they thought, did she have a baby? I, I, I don't, I can see people objecting on those grounds but objecting because their half-black son likes a black girl, I, I just I just don't buy that at all. I've never seen it. I've never experienced that.
3: I've never experienced it either. You know, my mother did tell me don't bring a white boy home. And so when I was in high school, there was this uh, white guy who was kind of like a Colin that wanted to do everything black. He even went by his middle name, which was uh, Derek. And, um, you know, I can remember calling his house and his mother answering the phone and she knew that I was black. Obviously, my name is Shamika, but she was very pleasant all the time, like as if she was excited. And I was surprised because she would holler, Matthew, (laughs) you know, and I was thinking, (laughs) well, I thought his name was Terry. (laughs) But she was excited that I was calling, like, okay, you know. So I, I just didn't buy it. You know, Colin to me was just really overdoing it in this entire thing. You know, when he even talked about how before his senior year, he went to all of these football camps. And I was like, okay, like, poor black uh oppressed black boys could do like come on Colin you lived a very privileged life so to sit here and then run your parents down in the ground and act and really just you bit the hand that fed you for years why would you do that how could you do that it was that was a slap in the face to his parents and i, I it was disgusting to watch
2: so one of the things you made the point about your mother saying, "Don't bring no white uh boy home." I can remember very vividly coming home my sophomore junior year in college and and staying with my father, and how upset he was that uh some girls from college would call our house and he he literally said said. N-word, if you don't stop these white bees from calling here, we're going to have a problem. And I'm just telling you, this is what my father said. My father was blacker than coffee, and, and he was racist, just to be quite honest. I love him to death, great human being, uh, You know, one of my favorite people in the history of the planet. But that's how he felt. And so, I mean, it's, it's like I see that sort of bigotry, and, and, and I'm sure there's white fathers that feel the same way as my dad in the opposite direction, but I'm saying all that to say that I was a candidate to have a mixed kid for a long period of my life. And at the time, I thought nothing of it. Now, when I look at this generation and think, "Oh my God," you know, I could have had a Colin Kaepernick, and and because I think mixed kids struggle with their identity and do all kinds of things to try to portray themselves as super black, the the Superman of blackness, and it just drives me crazy. Am I and I know we're sitting here to what my mother calls thoroughbreds. Uh, we're sitting here discussing mixed race kids. But has but it been your experience that, that mixed kids struggle with identity issues perhaps more than thoroughbreds?
3: I definitely see that all the time. If you look in just uh, Hollywood or in celebrity world, those are the loudest ones, the ones that are mixed and just seem like they have to prove how black they are. You know, with everything they do, the way they talk, you know, I felt like I needed to get up here like Rashad. When he said he had to put on a, a, a durag, I was gonna tell y'all to call me uh she dog. Yay yay! you know. I, <laughs> I just... <laughs> <laughs> they are the ones that go above and beyond to just prove I'm black. I'm I'm included. Please include me. See, I'm just as down as you are. And they, they constantly have to put out black power uh, statements, whereas I don't feel like I have to do that. I'm just who I am. Every morning I look in the mirror, I see black. There's no question about it. So, you know, I do feel like it's the mixed breeds that are trying to kind of figure out who they are and want to prove that they belong and that they fit in somewhere you know um i never got as far as you did as far you know as thinking maybe i'll have some mixed breeds i think when i just dating that one person when i went to kiss him and i couldn't really find his lips now
1: mm-hmm.
3: if, if that was enough for me I was done right there. I need some lips that match mine.
2: (laughs) So I don't even know the answer. I don't know my answer to the question I'm about to ask you. But who do you think is more responsible for the confusion that mixed-race kids feel is it are they reacting to their treatment by white people or are they most reaction reacting to their treatment by black people?
3: You know, I don't know the answer to that either, Jason. I did have a conversation a couple of years ago with a, um a very light skinned black woman who said she was, she did feel ostracized by black people growing up, that just, you know, she never felt like she fit she fit in because she was so light and she had light colored eyes and she says that she was picked on a lot and that she just never really could uh get her grounding in the black community and so i do feel like maybe as black people we do uh maybe we are gatekeepers you know like you're not black enough i know for me um I don't think I have an issue with the color of their skin so much as I have an issue with the behavior. Like, I don't like the going above and beyond because those that just, you know, I have lighter skinned friends and mixed friends that they just are. You know, they don't make this big to do about being black. They just are who they are. And so, you know, I don't know which one of us is worse, the blacks or the whites. But I do know that I'm going to raise an eyebrow when you come around feeling like all you need to talk to me about is rap music and you speaking in all this uh, jargon that I don't understand. It's a lot of slang that I'm not hip to. And so if you come around me acting, feeling like you need to act extra black because you see that I'm brown skinned and my hair is nappy, I'm going to have an issue with that. I, I'm going to then be the one telling the light-skinned chick, sit your $5 ass down before I make change. Don't play them games with me. Just be who you are.
2: I, I think, as a, and I was listening to you and thinking of my own response, I, I can't say which group puts the most pressure on, but I can say what we do. And so when I listen to Colin Kaepernick talk, First thing I think, he don't sound very black, and I could definitely see as a kid mocking his way of talking. And, and that was the thing, like when they ran into the black kids at the hotel from the other baseball team, and, and the first thing I thought was, I, I thought that whole engagement would have been different because I've been on both sides of that. I've been with the all black group, and run into the suburban group that has a, a one or two black kids and I know how we acted towards those kids. I've been in the group where it's the suburban kids and me and one other black person and you engage with a group of other black kids. And I know it's almost like if, you, if there ain't enough bass in your voice the black kids are gonna ridicule you, and that's what, Colin lacks some bass, and he sounds nerdy and goofy uh, to some degree. Colin, they say he was like a 4.0 student in high school or whatever, really. And I've seen, I've experienced, nah, because i never made straight A's, but (laughs) I've experienced where you get teased For making too good of grades. What, you trying to be white? Blah, blah, I've seen that. I'll never forget my last day in public school, school 83 on like 34th and Emerson uh, in Indianapolis. uh, I can remember my last day there in third grade. uh, We ridiculed the hell out of some kid that had straight A's. I mean, we ri re- whole way walking home. Can't believe your report card. You're trying to be white. Blah, blah, blah. And so I, I just thought Kaepernick, I, I think there's a chance there's more negative energy. And because and, I'm looking at even Kaepernick do it, he made fun of Carlton and Steve Urkel from. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Family mm-hmm. Matters. Am I right, Family Matters? Is yes. that what Steve Urkel's on? And mm-hmm. he's making fun. And I'm like, dude, that was you. Right. You were the Fresh Prince. You were Carlton. You were Steve Urkel. Why are you now on putting out a TV show, making fun of them and making fun of other nerdy, bookworm, straight-a, you know? Why are you doing that? It, it, it just... It would almost be like me putting out a documentary making fun of fat people. And, and I was like, well, hold on, ain't that you, bro? <laughs> and, and, and literally, that's why he's, he's ridiculing himself in this documentary by ridiculing Carlton and, 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 and Steve Urkel. And it, that's why I just keep saying, he doesn't even know who he is. This guy has daddy issues. This dude wants to be on a stripper pole, and I mean that in every way possible in terms of like, and I want you to take, to me, this obsession with black men and their hair. I'm like, whoa, how much time are you spending at the beauty shop? Even in the show, they were showing all these accessories you had to buy to keep your hair braided this way. And I'm like, what dude wants to do this? And, and, and I, the whole thing to me should be retitled Colin Kaepernick's Daddy Issues. And it really speaks to the daddy issues pervasive among young black men who have no relationship with their father.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, Colin, when it comes to his afro, that's just a head full of split ends. Because when you look at his earlier pictures, his hair is very curly. I can't imagine what he has to go through every morning trying to blow dry that out and, and rat comb it and tease it and get it to stand up. That takes a lot of effort. From the pictures that I've seen before, Colin is taking a lot of effort, time and energy to get that afro. That's not natural at all, period. And I was listening to you and Rashad talk about what men are doing nowadays as far as going to the salon and going to get their toes done and taking pictures of it and posting it on Instagram. I'm noticing uh, men hugged up in pictures. Black men didn't used to, to do that. Not only are they going and spending a lot of time in the salon, they're getting their eyebrows arched, they're hugged up in pictures, squinting to the camera, licking their tongues out, biting on their lips, in pictures. What is that? What what are all these feminine attributes? And I'm ve- like somebody said I was I like masculine men to a fault. Maybe that that's so. I honestly, Jason, I don't even like men uh, shaving their balls. Like I just can't see how masculine it is for you to prop your foot up on the toilet or the tub and, and do that. Like that's looking like you posing in a cheerleader. Uh no, don't do it. Don't, I, I don't like all this femininity that I'm seeing. It's, it has gone way too far. Men are spending way too much time trying to look pretty.
2: I don't think I can add anything to that. Because <laughs> it, it is certainly how I feel. And, and I'm just, I get, one of the scenes where he first got his hair braided and he, he struggled sleeping at night because his, his head was hurting, the braids were too tight, he didn't like his head on a pillow. And all I kept thinking was like, somebody needs to tap Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick and tell him, hey man, do you know any black women? Because I, I'm, if he did, he would know how many nights black women have spent. They go to the beauty salon and then they sleep sitting up because they don't want to (laughs) lay down on their hair and mess up this hair that they just got done. And that's what you look like, man.
3: Yes. You You can't even scratch it.
2: You're patting it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We should have just gave college a chewing (laughs)
1: gum.
2: It's... (sighs) Daddy Issues, maybe I'm going to do the next Colin Kaepernick documentary, and, and we'll get to the bottom of this. It, it's Ava DuVernay did this man uh, no favors, helped him put out a very feminized version of himself, and, and of course, Twitter's going to celebrate it because it's the place where feminine energy is celebrated, particularly among black men. Uh, thank you, Shamika.
3: Thank you, Jason.
2: Awesome job. Awesome job. Uh, Got a new sponsor I want to tell you about, Paint Your Life. If you're looking for a special gift for someone this holiday season, something truly unique and personal, we've got a great idea for you. At PaintYourLife.com, you can have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from your photo at an affordable price. Send any picture of yourself, your kids, a special place, or a cherished pet. You can even Combine several photos into one painting. With Paint Your Life's compilation portraits, you'll bring together family members who never had the chance to meet. They'll make a group painting of the whole family without the need for everyone to be there for the photo. We just sent off a photo of Jimmy and I to Paint Your Life using their user-friendly website. It was so easy and we picked out the style, approved it online, and can't wait for it to arrive. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word FEARLESS to 64000. That's FEARLESS to 64000. Text FEARLESS to 64000. Paint your life, celebrate the moments that matter the most. That is an awesome Christmas gift for someone in your family. It's a great way for you to support a sponsor of this show. All right, Uncle Jimmy, and our approval rating All right, welcome back. The approval rating's back because Uncle Jimmy's back almost officially. He's Skyping in from home uh, to help us with our approval rating on Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, Uncle Jimmy may have a few comments about what he thought of uh, the job uh, I did, or Shamika or Rashad did uh, during the show. Uh, for those of you, let's refresh your memories about the approval rating. It's four different categories. Job performance, character, authenticity, it factor. Everything's graded on a scale of 0 to 25. Job performance, 0 to 25. Character, 0 to 25. We take the four scores, add up the four scores. That'll give you a range of 0 to 100. And then we have different categories for the approval rating. Uh, Guess where I am at, actually, on Colin Kaepernick. So uh, let's bring in Uncle Jimmy uh, from... Guess where (laughs) I'm at on Colin Kaepernick. (laughs) Are you Colin Kaepernick's long-lost daddy, perhaps?
0: Really? Really? We going on like that? First of all, best believe if I was Colin Kaepernick's long lost daddy, they have my black ass paying child support. So, no, I'm not his daddy. <laughs> did let me you, ask you uh, a question,
2: Jim, did man. you? Let me,
0: let, me, yeah. let me ask you a question, man. Because I noticed during the last segment, and, and I'm going to kind of propose this to the Fearless Army out there, you know, that, that, that group that watches us every day on YouTube. Did anybody notice that Jason did not respond at all when Shamika said she don't like a man that shaves his balls? <laughs> did you know, did anybody notice Jason got a look on his face like, oh, I'll be there. I'm down here chasing him. <laughs> <you know." laughs>
2: uh, Jim, did you watch uh, the miniseries On on Kaepernick and did you enjoy it?
0: First of all, you know I'm one of the founding fathers of the Capricorn Nation. You know. I I I I, 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 you know that. So yes, I watched every moment of it. And enjoyed it. And I enjoyed
2: it. As a member of the Capricorn Nation. Yes, I enjoyed. As a it. member of the Capricorn Nation, I, I'm not surprised that you you enjoyed that. Yes, I did. And I can't really
0: understand why you and other people are coming down so hard on this young brother. <laughs> I
2: mean, see, what's okay, your defense of all,
0: him? He, okay, first of all, he did not have a daddy. He did not. He didn't know. He didn't. Not only did he not have a daddy, he didn't have a cousin. He didn't have an uncle, he didn't have a nothing. So how are you going to talk bad about him for the black man that he became?
2: Uh because he's making it up as he goes along and you know, perhaps he should stand down on trying to be an authority to everyone else. The thing, I didn't even get into this, but the thing I really didn't like about the show is like to me it's directed at kids. That show is put out for the consumption of young kids. And Kaepernick and Ava DuVernay are trying to define for young kids what blackness is. And they reduced it down to fried chicken and pork chops, uh, corn rolls and braids. uh, And uh, I just took my (laughs) hair Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I just think that being black, there's more to it than cornrows and braids and hip hop music and uh, seasoned salt and fried chicken.
0: Can I ask you a very serious question? And I yeah. thought about this since you and I had our conversation, and I could be wrong. At any point during this six part documentary, Did Colin Kaepernick ever say he was black? (laughs) I'm just asking you a question. Did he ever say the words, I'm black? He never did. All of y'all put that on him. He was telling a whole nother story, but he never said, just like Tiger Woods never said those words. This dude never said I was black. Y'all putting that narrative on him. Mm. Now, granted, and so, he, he might dress in all black. <laughs> he might dress <laughs> like he's black, okay? But the man never said that he was black.
2: Well, he's certainly not in my book or Shamika's book or Rashad McCants' book. I think, you know, he broke out his little Black Panther T'Challa outfit like he's living in Wakanda. Uh, with his Egyptian white woman, Cleopatra. So a black uh, <laughs> man
0: can't wear a black suit with, with, with a nice suit, with, with a nice well-groomed afro, and now he got to be looking like T'Challa. I mean, see, th- th- this is what I'm trying to see. What, what, what are we doing here, man? The man just was just dressing real nice. He's trying to tell young kids, take those braids out of your head. Put those pants. In. But you don't, you're missing the message.
2: I certainly did. Let's get to our approval rating. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to have to guess where I have uh, Colin Kaepernick. In job performance, I do rate him very high. He's a pawn uh, for liberal white people, and he does it at the highest level. I gave him a 24 in job performance.
0: Well, you might find this amazing, but we are actually in agreement because in his job performance, as a movie director as a spokesperson uh, for the Mulatto Nation, uh, I give him a 24 also. All
2: right, here's where we disagree quite a bit. In terms of character, the man puts out a documentary taking a dump on his white adoptive parents. I think he has no character, zero. Uh,
0: I think that if you look at what he did, Okay, you, you said he didn't have a father. He, he has no He did have a father. Black, he, he, well, he, he has no black father. He has no true black lineage. But see, you have to understand, we live in a world today that you can create and become anything you want to be. You can be a woman, and you can become a man and then run for senator. So this character that he's created, which is the new <laughs> black man... Whether you and I like it or not, you and I are the dasasenors of the black lineage because we are are outdated. He, him, and Patrick Mahomes and Steph Curry, those are your new Negroes. So, yes, he's playing that character role to the fullest.
2: Got him at a 20. uh, Authenticity, I think he's completely inauthentic. I find no authenticity with Colin Kaepernick. A zero as well.
0: Uh I, find, I, I I was really basing this off of the documentary itself and I, this is where I really found it to be a- authentic because are you trying to tell me when every t- when you go home in them fa- family gatherings there's not an ounce of fried chicken there's not an ounce of, there's not one fried pork chop there's not one drop of macaroni and cheese and there's not one drop of Kool-Aid consumed Are you really telling me that? Are we telling me that that was an inauthentic moment, including the uncle that had just got out of prison that came up to him to shake him down for a loan, but they took that part out of it? (laughs) Are we saying that was inauthentic?
2: I have lived that experience, and particularly at Thanksgiving time, Uh, let me holler at you (laughs) cuz, I've heard that, (laughs) I've heard that, let me holler at you for a minute cuz, step outside. (laughs) um, I have heard that, and it always, growing up. (laughs) and it it always leads to somebody asking me for money. Uh, it factor, uh, I'm, I'm low on that as well, uh, I'm gonna give him a two as it relates to it factor.
0: Whether you like it or not, he's got it, okay? He's tall, he's good-looking, ain't got a drop of black in him, and he's just like every other new black going today. Like I told you, he likes Steph Curry. He like, what, what's that woman's name? I kept, uh, uh, Kamala Harris. He's just like all of the rest of them. <laughs> they the new Negroes. You know what? Don't be mad because you ain't got it. Darkie. <laughs>
2: All right, so I got him at 26 overall, dumpster fire. Jimmy, somehow you have him at blazing hot, uh, 97. Uh, Bro, great job, we missed you. Awesome job with the approval rating segment. We'll see you tomorrow. You need Uh, to catch up with the times, um, man. And by the way, you (laughs) do look good. I gotta tell you, you look good. I ain't never
0: seen a tie square look so good in my damn life. I ain't never seen, boy, that tie square is killing
2: them. <laughs> it's called a pocket square, but uh, I hear you. Thank you very much. Uh, that's tomorrow. Hopefully, she's watching. Because I do look good. All right, we'll see you tomorrow.
3: The right sign, looking like it's my time, feeling all kinds of free. These words are our religion, no regrets in our decisions. We